You're listening to the Money and Politics Podcast. I'm Andrew Blumenfeld. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that we like to discuss how people of all identities experience the process of political fundraising, the unique challenges and opportunities, the organizations that are working to even the money and politics playing field for candidates of all backgrounds. I have always felt the financial piece of the political equation is so huge, it's often a threshold issue, that we just have to evaluate it through the lens of diversity and equity if we really want those qualities to persist through the rest of the political process. To that end, today, we're digging into the experience of Latino candidates and donors with Daniela Fernandez. She is the finance director of the Latino Victory Fund. That is a progressive organization working to grow Latino political power by increasing Latino representation at every level of government, and also by building a base of Latino donors to support that critical work. I'm looking forward today to speaking with Daniela about the work of the organization, as well as the experiences of Latino candidates that they work with, how they support them, all of that. But first, a message from Call Time AI. You're listening to Money in Politics, brought to you by Call Time AI. Campaigning is hard. Why not make fundraising easy? Using automation and artificial intelligence, CallTime AI lets you fundraise five times faster with easy-to-use tools like instant donor research, automated voicemail drop, and donor scoring, so that you are always calling the right person at the right time with the right ask. Go online to calltime.ai to schedule a demo and start your free trial today. All right, I'm here with Daniela Fernandez now. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Well, it is my pleasure, and I would love if you could start by sharing a little bit about your background, how you got into political fundraising in particular, how you found yourself at the Latino Victory Fund. Yeah, of course. More than happy to jump right in. I was thinking earlier today, I don't know if anyone plans on getting into political fundraising, or at least I'm, I'm a, a first-gen American, so to work in politics at all is, is just a really big deal um, in my family, and I didn't ever really have guidance. So I, I just knew that I, I loved the political process. I, I thought that we should all be very actively engaged in government, and I kind of, kind of stumbled upon fundraising in a sense. The first job that I was able to get in politics kind of was a combined role. I was the body person to the chairwoman of the Florida Democratic Party during 2016. And part of that role was also being a finance assistant. So um, in 17, I worked in the House. And then towards the end of 17, as the campaign cycle was approaching again, I left the House after the Florida session ended and joined uh, Andrew Gillum's gubernatorial campaign as one of like the first four staffers. That's the other great thing about being a political fundraiser, especially when you don't come from affluent backgrounds, stability in work and politics is so fluid, right? Like we work on campaign cycles and, and we can face unemployment or fun employment, as we call it. A lot of folks just don't, they don't have the ability to do that, right? I, I don't have the ability to be able to kind of take those massive gaps just because support at home and in general. And I thought it was really great that fundraisers are, are really the first to be hired always, right? So that 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 stability and, and that representation in, in the the fundraising field was really a calling to me. I liked that I was going to be able to be in rooms a lot of the times with people that are, you know, making the decisions and investing in programs and being a voice for my community and ensuring that although I'm not the, uh, never the political director or in any of those other roles as the finance director on campaigns, I was always like, so yeah, we should raise money towards specifically Latino and just in general people of color programming, right? Of investing in turning out our communities and making sure that people are putting their money where their 
mouth is. So kind of campaign cycle after campaign cycle in, in 2018, I was able to switch over from the Gilm campaign and join Bill Nelson's Senate re-election campaign. And then really at the end of that, I, I hopped on back to the policy track. I worked on re- State Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez's uh, Senate office in the Florida Senate. And that was just another series of great experiences. And then after that, it was really at the end of that session, knowing that the election was approaching, I knew that I wanted to be involved in some sort of way. I've always loved Latino victory. I've known um, our executive director, Maida Macias. I had the privilege of meeting her in 2016 and working uh, with her in 2016 at the Florida Democratic Party. So I had always followed their work and I always thought it was so inspirational that there was an entire organization that was just based on recruiting members of our community and making sure that we have political power. So just came up on a full year with Latino victory in July. Um, So I moved to D.C. again quite rapidly and then started hit the ground running in 2019. Well, congratulations on one year. And you said a lot of things in there that I think are really interesting. But one I actually just want to ask you about before we move on. And that is, I've never thought about this before. And maybe shame on me for that. But do you think that the world of political finance staff is more diverse, at least economically, because of that that feature that you just described, which is absolutely true, the stability, relatively speaking, I mean, all pol- political work is relatively unstable. But but as compared to someone who maybe doesn't get hired like field until much closer to an election, you're right, right? Finance staff is they, they can really end an election and jump right onto another campaign almost immediately is do you think that's led to greater economic diversity in that in that sector? it has. I've never really talked about it with other fundraisers I know, but I, I definitely think that it, it has to be something that's considered, right? Like it, it, it is very, very beneficial that oh, when a campaign is starting up, that's most of the time the first person they hire because you cannot run your campaign without a fundraiser, right? Um, and when you do, when you try to, it, it's really difficult, right? You need just someone at the helm organizing, creating a strategy, holding, like teaching the candidate. A lot of the times candidates are first time candidates. They don't even know where to begin, right? So I think that it, it most definitely does. It most definitely did it with me, at least when I was a college student. And again, I was like, I want to work in politics. How can I make this doable? How can I make a career in it? I can't go and be a field organizer and lose a job and be really concerned that after November, I won't have anything. So I think it must it must play a role in people's decision making about entering being political fundraisers. That's really interesting. Let's talk about Latina Victory Fund. So for those that don't know, and I hope that's not that many, but for those that don't know, share with folks what is Latino Victory Fund? What is the mission and vision there? And any sort of backstory you know about kind of how it's come to be the organization that it is today? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I hope our listeners know about us. And if they don't, they're intrigued enough to go visit our website. But yeah, Latino Victory is, is we're a fairly young organization. We're five years old. Um, we were co-founded by um, Eva Longoria and Henry Munoz. And they really just started it with their vision, right? They wanted to see more Latinos and members of their community in government. So we are the only national Latino organization that is all these four entities. We are a C3, a C4, and we are a hybrid pack, meaning that we're both a federal pack and a super pack. And that's always my driving point when I talk to people and and are pitching Latino victory to new audiences, because that really does give us the ability to engage in politics in every kind of way, right? Meaning that we can register voters through our our, our nonpartisan C3. We can um, run independent expenditures through our PAC. We can directly support candidates from every level, from 
municipal to federal using any of these entities and also we can launch significant programming to either recruit folks um, to run or to spotlight really pivotal races that we see come up that we want to make sure we are highlighting that a Latino should be prioritized to be running in the district because of the amount of Latinos in the to, in the district to be represented so that's really um, a big a big plus for us right because we're able to kind of do everything and there's so many amazing Latino organizations that are partner organizations that are phenomenal and they do a really hyper-focused work, right? And they're very, very good at that. So we're always trying to work align with our partners and kind of encourage and, and educate folks on like, okay, this is the best route to go. They, they just do voter registration. They're going to be really good at it because they execute it themselves. So like us, most of the time we really do really just candidate based, right? So like a lot of like how Emily's list exists about female candidates, I kind of tell people when they're learning about Latino victory, like that's what we do, but with Latinos. And how do you all decide then, because you do have this multi-pronged capacity, how do you decide when you're thinking through your fundraising approach, when you're thinking about how you're going to raise money and how you're going to spend money, just at a high level, what's the thinking behind the strategy around when to run a super PAC versus when to give directly or to do both or to build some educational programming in a, in a community? Any kind of thoughts you have about where what drives those decisions for Latino Victory? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's very cycle based, right? We, we always try, we try to never duplicate work that's already being done, right? We want to be as effective as possible in what we're spending money on and what we're investing in. So, um, it's, it's really cycle based. If we see that there's a need or a gap somewhere, we, we want to fill it, right? If, if we see that no one else is going to be able to do it or, or like no one's noticing it, right? We want to be like, okay, we want to make sure that this is happening. Let's bring it up around partners and make sure that this is being fulfilled. So it's kind of very based on that. And we begin the year and kind of each cycle with base programming around our candidates. And then really that IE and super PAC work just develops throughout the cycle bit on a need base, right? If we see that there's like remaining, so there's a lot of fast turnaround for us, right? So when we create the fundraising strategy, we have to consider that in the beginning of the year of just kind of understanding that we're we're dealing with base goals of raising that will most likely increase, right? And again, it, it is it is very fluid, right? If the it, it's dependent, if 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 someone wakes up one day, if Donald Trump wakes up one day and says something or does something or supports a candidate, and then we know that we're going to need to increase our investment and help of the visibility of our candidate in a district that we're running and trying to win, then we do that, right? And we just recalibrate and recalculate and kind of re-strategize. So I'd say like we have a base fundraising strategy, and then I think as the elections approach it changes uh, sometimes rapidly sometimes it doesn't have to yeah and how do you all evaluate the candidates that you choose to support i mean what's the criteria that you all use when thinking is this a candidate that we want to get behind you know everything from just sort of endorsing them and then all the way up to and including all the financial investments you could make in a candidate how are, how are you thinking about which candidates meet your expectations about uh, the kind of candidate you want to support yeah, definitely. So we have a, a very vigorous process. So we always say we're small but scrappy here at Latino Victory. So we only endorse and support progressive Latino candidates, right? So that means that they align with a progressive agenda. And also progressive is fluid again, dependent on the district, right? So we don't like base parameters on strict things. There are some baselines, like we will always want to make sure that our candidates are pro-choice. We always want to make sure that our candidates are pro-green policies and talking about climate change 
change and what they're going to do to address that. And, you know, just in general, our general progressive needs. And then we go into kind of in-depth um, based on district and area. So there's a lot of criteria. How it works is that the candidates go to our website, they fill out an endorsement questionnaire, and then our political department goes through the process of categorizing all because we get hundreds of people um, submit these questionnaires, right? Because we endorse in every kind of race. So they submit their questionnaire and then our political department does a real deep dive into their race, right? Figuring out the demographics of the district, figuring out the likelihood, and then we review their campaign plan. It's followed up by a call with the candidate and kind of we want to see where the gaps are that we can help, but also like what their plan of action is, right? So what what is the probability that we're, we're on a pathway to victory, right? Like what is their pathway to victory? And if they say one, how can we help to improve that pathway to victory with our insight and knowledge on how these races work. So we're very, very hands-on with our candidates. Me as the finance director, I have, after we endorse our candidates, really weekly calls with their finance directors to ensure that we're helping in every kind of way. So when they get an endorsement, they get a direct contribution, a direct card contribution from the get-go. That's just with the endorsement. And then they get our support. So we'll connect them with our communication staff. Our communication staff will get on the weekly calls of those campaign hosts, and we kind of see any kind of route. So comms will see areas that they can highlight the candidates it's in if they want to see like oh we could get you a piece in x y and z or we can help with local coverage on you and we try to provide as much support as possible because again we're dealing with predominantly most of our candidates are first-time candidates right and again we we don't come from families that know or have an understanding of these kinds of races so again it's a lot of like learning on the job so from a finance perspective it's really really important that at least to me and and i know to every member of our team that we are so in tune with them and and kind of constant communication. I'll, I'm always more than happy to connect with our candidates and provide them call sheet targets, talk through strategy with their finance directors, and see the, the gaps when the end of quarter is approaching. We always touch base with them because we know a lot of the times Latino Victory candidates, we are the first to endorse and support. And we, we see time and time again that then those candidates become nationalized, right? And again, these viability standards that are created on the basis that you think the candidate knows how to do all these things. So our biggest goal always is to ensure that we're also connecting those candidates with our national partners and saying, you should look at this race. They're on a great route. They're probably on the path to being identifiable as like a red to blue. And it happens time and time again, right? We have phenomenal candidates this cycle, like Michelle de la Isla in in Kansas running for Congress. She's a current mayor of Topeka. And Michelle, just last quarter, we made sure we were helping as much as we could to ensure that she hits those numbers, right? Those goals that are given to candidates candidates all over the country to be able to be identified as red to blues and as seats that should be focused on. And and again, that nationalization for them helps so much, right? Because then they get every national donor invested in the race because they're, they're being, you know, like verified essentially, right? They're getting, they're getting the green light of being like, oh yes, this, this campaign is being ran effectively. They have a pathway to victory. We should all be investing in it. So that's a lot of the times the work um, that we're really, really focusing on when we're working with these candidates. And me personally is just helping them other other than giving them a direct contribution, connecting them with our donors, connecting them with our board, our national committee, amplifying them in any way that we can, making sure that their giving link is on our website, making sure that we can give or host them for events, helping them get surrogates or like just helping in really any way that we can to amplify them. I love the idea of serving as a early indicator of quote unquote viability. It's something we talk a lot about on this podcast because I think it's a really 
complex concept that can also be highly problematic and highly limiting of the kinds of candidates that are that get any sort of fair hearing from the universe of donors and even you know well before a ballot is ever drawn up and so i love the focus on being involved early enough in the process where you're sort of not just saying this person is already quote unquote viable, but this person has all the qualities that we think are really important. And we see a pathway to, again, that sort of abstract notion of viability, and we will help them get there, check those boxes so that these other entities that come in a little bit later that are looking for sort of more traditional metrics, just like, did you raise this much money? You know, do you have such and such support um, to help them get there? So I, I love that. And it actually is a good probably transition to something I'd love to hear your thoughts on, which is the experience of candidates. And so I know that you work, you know, you're the finance director for Latino Victory. But as you've just described, you work very closely with the campaigns themselves. And obviously, as you described earlier, you have a background working on campaigns. What is your take about the experience of Latino candidates as it pertains to fundraising? You've touched on it a little bit, but are there ways in which that experience is unique? Does it have particular challenges and opportunities that people should know about? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, like we see this with with most with most first time candidates and with most honestly for candidates of color a lot of the time. So or just in general, people that don't like, you know, like a lot of times the outsiders, right? People that are everyday people that want to jump in a race because they see that there's a system that's broken and they want to fix it. Right. They want to take an active role in it. So I think that um, not only Latino candidates, but just any candidate like this would would face these kinds of of things and hurdles. Fundraising is, is very complex, right? It, it isn't a simple thing. If you don't have a network of people and no one teaches you how to do it, right? You're just like, okay, I want to run for office. I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z at the supervisors of elections office. And then they're like, okay, well, you need to run an ad. You need to run a poll. You need to test the market. And they're using all these terms that it's like, no, no, who would know that, right? Unless like it was your profession. So I think that a lot of the times, it is a big, the biggest hurdle for, for our candidates really is, is hitting those massive numbers because it's not like you were, or in spaces in which you know people that can write these massive checks. And I think that leans in directly with the conversations that we've been seeing happen for really the past four years, which is, you know, the need for campaign finance reform, right? It is inaccessible to most people to be able to raise these amounts of money. And when they do, it's, it's like astonishing, right? But it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that hard. Right. It shouldn't be that hard. If I want to run for office, if I want to serve the people of my district, I should be able to do so. And I should be able to do so in an, in an efficient manner and, in, in, you know, a costly, efficient manner. So things like that, I think that that's the biggest hurdle. And, and a lot of the times that's always the first conversations we have. Right. It's really easy for folks or organizations to just endorse and throw a, a max out contribution. But is that the most help? Right. I it helps in the immediate, of course. And that's why we always include it in our endorsements. But again, I. I see that our candidates are just so, so appreciative, right? Because they, they, they have small campaigns in the beginning, right? They have like one to two staffers. They're also most of the time working themselves. And again, they just don't know where to go or what to do. So I see that a lot of the times they're just so, so grateful. And, and throughout kind of all, all our candidates, every time they win, they'll always rep Latino victory so hard because they're, they're always, yeah, they're always like Latino victory was the first one here for me. They were the first one to believe in me. We also, a lot of the times engage in kind of democratic primaries a lot of the times. So we're not afraid to get, get in the mud in that sense of, of naming, of naming the candidate we think is best, right? Especially when it is a district that we strongly believe a, a progressive Latino should represent. 
So I think the hurdles are the same as everyone, right? Like just helping them learn through the process and using our networks and kind of bringing another chair to the table, right? Like our candidates, I'm always connecting them with our donors. I'm always trying to highlight them in any way that I can. And every quarter trying to see if I can't host you, I'll find someone to host and bundle for you. Like what can we do to alleviate this? So I think it's just that, right? Like making the connections for them is so, so valuable for them because again, they, they come from smaller communities. So they can always do that first round of fundraising, which is what they tell every candidate to do, right? Like talk to your inner circle, call your inner circle and get them and then grow out from there, right? Get that inner circle to call folks. So that's what we just try to do, right? We just try to constantly connect them with folks and kind of help them in that sense. So I think that honestly, that's the biggest hurdle. We don't come from affluent backgrounds. So just finding and identifying folks to also just believe in our race, right? And invest and think that we can win. It's just a, an overall battle um, that all of them, they just do so well. And if you review our candidates, especially for this cycle, like every quarter, they're raising so, so much more. And it, it's insane, right? Because it's like, look at how hard they're working because they don't know people that are able to give these kinds of amounts of money, right? They're not, they're just members of their community and they know, you know, like their neighbors and they know the struggles they're going through and that's why they're running for office. And I think it's really beautiful throughout the cycle when we see them get amplified because we see them as we saw them from the beginning and why we endorse them, right? As people that should serve their communities. And then we just get really happy when they get amplified and get get nationalized because we're like, yes, we've been saying this. Like, look at these candidates. Like, they're they're phenomenal. They're, they're change makers. A lot of them are making history as, as people running. If Michelle in Kansas wins, she'll be the first Puerto Rican elected to Congress from Kansas. We have Candace Valenzuela in Texas 24. She would be the first ever Afro Latina elected to Congress, right? And Candace was homeless as a child. Like that's just like seeing and being able to help people that understand the struggles that people face to become lawmakers is just really, really fulfilling. I bet. And and I'm curious to hear about the donors for whom this message is most resonating, especially early on, because I think we've talked about at a certain point, you've gotten through the process, you've you've sort of proven yourself, you get maybe a stamp of approval from the D-trip or somebody, and, and there, that does open a lot of doors kind of across the country. But I'm really curious about the ones who are not waiting until that point, the donors that you're seeking out much earlier in the process. What other things can you tell us about the kinds of donors for whom this is most resonant? Yeah, definitely. So I think it's it's most resonant really at the majority like from the get-go of the people that we connect our candidates with are are Latino, right? They are our fundraising arms, right? They are our board of directors that are very invested in our organization and making sure that these candidates win. And then our national committee, which our national committee is kind of our secondary fundraising arm. It's they they fundraise smaller amounts, but they are just kind of very in the weeds folks, right? Folks from all over the country that are very invested in races because they're from these communities. And get very, very excited when a progressive Latino that that we deem that that they know is viable from the get go um, is running. So that's kind of most of the time the first time, and then from there is really kind of a domino effect in the sense like when we have our board members, they're able to connect with their their networks that are predominantly not Latino, right? And and connect with them and and make those connections and say like this person's going to win. We with we believe in their race. They have a pathway to victory. They're working really hard, but they need your investment this quarter now, not next quarter. We can't 
can't wait for those viability standards right now. So we really need you to invest. And it's really that, right? It's by word of mouth and it's by the trusted networks and partnerships we have. And then our valued partners, our fellow progressive national partners, we always try to connect. So like when we have a lot of the times, a lot of our candidates are female candidates or Latina. So we're always trying to make sure that we're connecting them with folks over at Emily's List and making sure we're helping them forge those connections and start those those conversations, right? And that's really helpful to them too, right? Because it helps them get their foot in the door. It helps them get their name, start floating around. So yeah, it's kind of just a domino effect from there. But I'd say from the get-go, it's a bulk of kind of our personal networks that are predominantly Latinos that just want to see themselves more represented in government, right? We hold a large portion of the population here in the United States, and we only hold 1% of, of, of all elected offices, right? That's crazy. So it's just a small group of people and not a massive group that are just really, really invested in increasing Latino political power and seeing their voices and people like them elected. And what do you think it's going to take to just continue to grow that universe of people who say that looking at that gap, say 1% elected officials and whatever the percent population, certainly significantly higher than 1% and say, that's a problem. I want to put my money behind solving. Have you seen that that universe of people grow over time? What's it going to take to grow that even further? Yeah. And I think I think the, the way we route that and, and kind of how we've seen it roll out thus far is that it's through voters. When we are able to portray and show that our community is voting in large numbers, it is inevitable to have the conversation of when a Latino is on the ballot, Latinos turn out. And we're kind of very data driven over here at Latino Victory. So when we're pitching new donors or we're pitching people um, to invest kind of in our in our candidates and in our programming to elect and, and recruit more Latinos to run for office, we use that, right? We show in strategic races throughout the country that have happened a cycle after cycle that when a Latino is on the ballot, Latinos do turn out at a higher rate, which helps with all down ballot races. We're always told we have a turnout problem. We have a turnout problem because people don't talk to us because people have engaged in the same strategy over and over again of waiting 30 days to 60 days before an election, a general election to talk to us, to translate an ad into some generic Spanish that isn't culturally competent, that isn't engaging. And we see it time and time again, right? So it's just like driving that point into folks that our community, it doesn't take a lot to invest in us or like at all. The smallest amounts of money make the biggest impact because it's on us as operatives to ensure that we are investing in culturally competent strategies to engage Latinos at every level from the get-go. Engaging and investing early is the key. And just driving that point in is really what's going to get us through. That's why we're always stressing a Latino victory and trying to make sure that people are understanding that cultural competency is key. The way that you talk to Latinos in Arizona is entirely different in the way that you will engage Latinos in Florida. And that's what I love about Latino Victories, that we're all from different parts of the country. We all come from different backgrounds. So we just want to make sure that we're competing effectively and ensuring that every, every Latino is talked to and that they know what's at stake this election cycle and how important their vote will play like the role of what will play this cycle, right? Because if we do turn out, we will win, right? Democrats will win at every level. So I really appreciate you talking to us today and kind of sharing with our listeners all the wonderful work Latina Victory does. But before I let you go, can you just give a, a quick pitch on how people can get involved if people are fired up from this conversation, where they can go to learn more and get involved in the work that you and Latina Victory are doing between now and Election Day? 
Yeah, of course. So they can go to latinovictory.us and there's a multitude of ways that people can help us. Of course, the first way I'm going to say is by giving a donation, supporting our efforts. Every dollar helps from $5, $100, any amount we are so appreciative of and it helps us with our efforts every single day. The bulk of our fundraising goes directly towards candidates. So that's always a help. So just contributing, considering to contribute and just word of mouth telling folks about our organization and the work that we strive to do. And also, if you're listening to this and you're a Latino and you want to run for office, you go on our website, find our phone number, call us, tell us how we can help in any way. If you think there's an if the area you live in should have more Latinos running for office, you know, highlight it for us. Run for office, you know, don't wait for someone to ask you. Don't think it's an unattainable goal just because the majority of government doesn't look like us. We need your voice in government now more than ever. Follow us on social media at Latino Victory US on Twitter. We've got some really good fire tweets that our digital director puts out. And then just stay attuned, sign up for our emails. We have a lot of exciting and fun events, especially now in the virtual space that we strive to make accessible to everyone to be able to join, right? We're able to do a lot of stuff. Thankfully, we have a lot of access to kind of some key Latino celebrities. So that gives us the ability to get like these really, really fun events together in which we're talking about the importance of our community, of importance of voting and the importance of running for office and having representation in government. So I'd say those are the three main ways that people can kind of get engaged with Latino Victory. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure people will. This is really great. I appreciate all the work that you do. I'm so grateful for the work Latino Victory does. And thanks for spending some time with us today. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Andrew, for having this podcast and talking about these things. It's really important. Stay up to date with the latest fundraising trends, forecasts, and advice by going to the CallTime AI blog at www.calltime.ai. And follow us on Twitter at CallTime AI.